Welcome everyone to the third podcast of the Dominion Chronicles. This is your host, Yuto. Today, as promised, we are going to read the prologue. So, without any further ado, let's start the prologue. Prologue To find what has been lost. And as Zane, the imagination creator, closed his eyes to go to sleep, he spoke. The rulers of all prophecy of the return, he said. Hear me, Argai, hear me and let my words be repeated. I got my pen out and before I could write, Zane spoke in my head. Eleven, they shall walk the lands they once ruled. Death in vain, they thought their enemy fooled. From the last page of the Histories of the Time of Peacefulness by Argai Chartai, the personal historian of the imagination creator. Remizel, who preferred to be called Remy, has been sitting in front of his laptop screen for seven hours straight and he still hadn't found them. He has been searching for nearly ten years since Deus gave him the fragment of power. Remy typed the command on his new software, one developed especially for the tracking system, pushed his wheelchair backward and closed his eyes for a bit. Grandana, the floating land, once the capital of the palace city for the land wind, was calm at night. Growing up on the outskirts of the floating land, he had read a lot of books describing the parties and revels that used to be held each night in the Queen's honor. Remy remembered how he used to imagine himself standing up and dancing around in one of the revels. He would imagine himself dancing around a bonfire, chewing on a caramelized honta fruit. Remy had heard of the honta, of course, the purple-colored sugary fruit that only grew in the palace's gardens. As a child, Remy was fantasized by these small things, reveled in sugared fruits. He would spend days locked up in his room, reading about these parties, conjuring up conversations where he talked to the Queen of Wind herself. She would laugh at his silly jokes. She would even offer to push his chair and dance with him. But his parents' fights had always snapped him out of it. Remy was born with a disability, and to his parents, he was a liability. He couldn't find a job as normal Eridomanias could in his age. And he certainly couldn't help around the house like any Arudaminian would. It didn't help, either, that Remy was born slow-witted. He wasn't smart like the rest of the kids his age, and he certainly was not useful in any way possible. His mother would curse him for being like that. His father would whip him for being so useless. And Remy couldn't utter a word. Remy could only cry. Someone shook Remy, waking him up even though he wasn't really asleep. He perked up to see his twin brother, Ramizel, who preferred to be called Rami, and smiled. Here you go, Muntern coffee, to help you stay up. Remy took the steaming cup and grinned at the smell. The Muntern spice was his favorite when added to hot water and steamed milk. He looked at the blue concoction and sipped from it, sighing at how perfect it was. He looked at his laptop screen, but the command was still being processed. At least I found a broad location, Remy thought. So, what are you doing now? Rami grabbed a chair and sat down next to Remy. Rami's long sandy hair needed to be cut a little shorter. Remy tried to convince his twin that the bun didn't suit him, but he wouldn't listen. However, beside the sandy hair, Remy and Rami were anything but identical. Or at least, one had to intently focus to pinpoint similarities. Where Rami was broad-shouldered and muscular, Remy was scrawny and narrow-shouldered, 
where Rami had to drink beer and square jaw, Rami's face was hairless and his jaw looked like a knife. Rami pointed a rather large scarred finger at the screen and said, I have a theory as to why the location always appears there. Rami leaned back and crossed his ankle over a knee. Maybe it's some kind of a school or university perhaps. In their childhood, Remy would usually be the one waiting for Rami to confirm or deny absolutely anything. Rami would the reason Remy's beatings were not enough to kill him. When their mother passed away, Remy didn't feel bad about it. For Remy, having his mother dead meant there were two less hands to beat him, and the protection would be equal the pain inflicted. But their father had grown more drunken and needed more money. And when Rami was at work, his father would beat Remy and threaten him. If you as much as tell your brother about this, I will murder him in his sleep and blame it on you. No one will believe you, Remizel. No one will. And it was the madness that Remy had seen in his father's eyes. Pure and utter madness that couldn't be left undealt with. The madness that would be better off if sent to hell. But what could Remy do? He was crippled and stupid and above all, a kid. On that evening of that very day, Rami and their father had a fight over money, and he had beaten Remy senseless and took his earnings of the day. That had snapped Remy. Remy waited the very next day for Rami to go to work before he set their house on fire. Remy sat on his chair in front of the burning house, unfaced. He didn't care about anything in this world but his protector, his twin, his very soul. He cared only about Rami. Remy had heard his father scream. He had seen him looking at Remy from the window, begging Remy to do anything. But Remy had just sat there, looking at their house, slowly burning, turning to ash. By the time Rami had returned, their house was reduced to a pile of grayish ash that half of it was already being thrown off the grandana by the bellowing winds. No one had come to check on the house that, that day, for they knew that this house had a madman living in it, and they wouldn't feel sorry if the world was rid of him. They didn't even know half of it. Remy? Rami snapped his fingers in front of Remy's face. Dude, are you even awake? Rami looked at Remy and his usual look of concern, and Remy just waved him off. I'm fine. I'm... I'm just thinking of ways to approach them when they know exactly who they are. They don't know the existence of the Rodeman, let alone the fact that they hold powers strong enough to make them nearly gods. Remy took a sip of them his mantra and coffee, put the cup aside, wiggled his fingers, and was about to type something when Rami grabbed the keyboard and started typing suggestions. What if we use their own technology? Can we use the application they use for messaging? We can try to go for them ourselves. We can try to send someone for them. Remy shook his head and pointed at the last two suggestions and said, I am worried about these two. Remy took a deep breath and said, A few months ago, when the first software and GUI glitched and I told you I needed an updated version, do you remember what I said the glitch was? Remy took a moment to remember when he slowly nodded. That it was reading magic in weird places that were far off the map from where you originally found the fragments of power? Remy nodded. I have been doing some research on those readings, and it wasn't a glitch. Rami, I think that this other world isn't fully a world without magic. I think that there are certain people there that are aware of our world, 
and are actively trying to open a gas. Remy got some papers off the printer. Think of it, a rudiment lost its ruler 10,000 years ago, and that's when the fragment of powers were sent to their world. And with my calculations, that means that the fragments have been in their world for nearly 8,000 years. What would constitute the fact that their world is one without magic anymore? What would prevent the magic from slipping and being brought into their own hands? The current hosts didn't exist 8,000 years ago. You mean, Rami tilted the head, they could be aware of the current hosts? Not only that, they could be, they could have already come here, or even contacted someone from our world and got them there. Berberon has been seeking the fragment of Hartia Wildheart since he killed her. Remini started biting on his nails and stopped. What if Berberon is already there? Arrived through a gash opened for him in that world. Even Berberon can't travel with a gash he opened to another world, so... What if someone opened it for him? Remy shook his head. If Berberon is there, he would be able to find the fragment of power even if it was at the bottom of a bottomless ocean. If Berberon found them, Remy leaned back on his chair. This new software, it needs to work. Remy missed Remy's hair and kissed his head. Calm yourselves down, Remy. If anyone in the roadman or the fucking Martian has a chance of locating 10 random people in a population of 8 billion people, it's you. He got up and grinned. I'll go make us dinner. Anything specific? Remy shook his head. Nope. That's just, just the usual. Do I want my eggs running, okay? How do you even eat it, dude? But Rami had already left the kitchen. And his twin brother, Rami, was an excellent guardian. When Remy killed their father and burned their house down, the twins had wandered Grandana aimlessly, weaving through the streets and alleyways of the great city with no clue on where to go or what to do. Rami could occasionally find a work to earn money for the day and then spend a few without none. Months had passed like that, some of which one of them would be sick and in need of medications. If it was Remy, it was easier. He wouldn't have minded if he died, if it meant that his brother would have an easier life. But when it was Rami, Remy couldn't do anything for his brother. His brother would work regardless of anything. Until the day the twins met the cloaked man. A cloak that was so black that it seemed to absorb everything around it. Light would shy away from it. Plants would look the other side when he walked by them. The man took his hood off and Remy was mesmerized by the ethereal beauty. White hair that was neatly combed white beard that was neatly trimmed, blue eyes and somewhat square face. Remy's eyes gleamed as he looked like one of the princes he read about in the books talking about the bulls that were held in the palace so long ago. The man identified himself as Deuce. Remy had pushed Remy's chair while walked past the man, calling him, him crazy for claiming to be Deuce, the king of time, brother of the imagination creator. But the so-called Deuce had proved himself to them. For Remy found his steps being retracted, going back in time, magic that is only accessible to Deuce. He had offered them a deal that day. For Remy to become the king of time and Rami his guardian, and in exchange they would unite the kings and queens and see them home, and see Arodaman return to its previous glory. Somehow, Remy laughed about that, because he had only heard about those stuff in stories Romy had read for him before bed. 
However, they had accepted the deal. And it was the day that Remy was granted great wisdom and realized how foolish he was in accepting this deal. For he thought that having powers would help him and his brother, that having powers would make e everything easier for them. He can stop time and he can do everything he needed and then resume, Remy thought. Remy snapped back into reality when his command was fully executed, his laptop beeping to grab his attention. Rami came running, his apron covered in oil and the smell of half-burned Kapaski bacon. Remy grinned, however, as he said, We found them, Rami. They are in a university, as you predicted. It's time for us to go to work. And with that, we conclude the third podcast and the final one that we don't meet the main characters in. Yes, we did meet Remy and Rami, but in the next podcast where we, we start the first part in the novels, Kings and Queens, this is where we meet the uh, current or the future rulers of Arudaman, as we said. So, see you next week on Friday and hope you have a nice weekend.